0: The Start On On Demand.
1: Has your sleep pattern been affected during this pandemic? Because for all three of us, it has to varying degrees. So we're going to talk to the sleep expert at the University of Manitoba, Dr. Diana McMillan. The Winnipeg Regional Health Authority spoke to us this morning on masks and whether or not you should be wearing one. When you go out, our friends at Body Measure are leading a coalition of small businesses in Manitoba, calling on government to provide more financial aid in this troubling time. They've started an online petition, and we'll ask them how it's going. And women's shelters are seeing fewer visits. That sounds good at first, but it might not actually be such good news. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Tuesday, April 7th podcast for The Start. McGarry and McNabb and guys, I got to tell you, I got my day got off to a bad start. I woke mm-hmm. up at about, I guess it was 2 a.m. thinking it was Saturday. Oh. And then I realized it's not Saturday, it's oh, Tuesday. You're not even close, buddy. I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, that makes me feel sad for you. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, I know for most of us, it's a uh, good Friday is coming, so it's a long weekend for pretty much everybody, but uh, we'll be here on Friday. So I was looking to Saturday. I don't know why I thought it was Saturday, but man, I was mad. So, and and then Greg, what did you say? You woke up at what time? at about one o'clock and a cold sweat because i realized
0: i had forgotten to do something last night that i'd been meaning to do all day and that was to make sure bob irving was going to join us this morning for breakfast with the bombers so i was panicking And of course, Lorraine McNabb had my back and she'd already taken care of things. But when I woke up at one o'clock, you're in that no man's land. What am I going to do about it at one (laughs) o'clock? Phone Bob in the middle of the night. Hey, Bob. What you doing? Watching axe throwing at 1 (laughs) a.m.?
2: You should have seen the I thought of it late too, Greg. and I just want to share with you my exchange with Bob because I emailed him around 6, but he's not a big email guy. He prefers the text, I think. And so suddenly at 8.30, I'm like, you know what? I should just text him. So at 8.50, I write, sorry for the late text. Just wondering if you can join us tomorrow. Would appreciate it. He writes back, sure, no problem. 7.35, I say yes. Thanks, bon. Bon, Bon, Bonnie, Bob, darn it! <laughs> this is My text exchange. <laughs> he ignored the rest of that, so he's coming on. I think. I think. I think we've got him. And he okay, did. Good.
1: He did recently tweet uh, about how he's developed a newfound appreciation for competitions like televised axe throwing and mm-hmm. I think strongman competitions. And wasn't there something else?
0: Uh, uh, I
1: want uh, to say
2: darts, or is it NASCAR, Greg? What were you? Uh, all sorts of randomness.
0: Well well um I, did did you ever play cornhole back in the day up in Minnedosa? The cornhole boards where you throw the beanbags into the into the into the into the hole? I, I don't think it was called cornhole. Yeah, cornhole. Why? <laughs> well, the I hell? think we just called it I think we just called it the beanbag <laughs> toss, but Thank it's you. actually called cornhole, and they have arcade-sized video games of Cornhole in the United States, and they're televising it. This is heavy-duty competition in the U.S. of A. And, uh, yeah, so it has actually been on ESPN, and I don't know if it's made its way onto TSN or not, but if it's been there... Bob's seen it, so we'll have to ask him about
1: that. Okay, well, yeah, I'm just looking at his tweet now. This is from five days ago. Not to trivialize the seriousness of what we're going through, but I found myself watching the World Axe Throwing Championship this morning on ESPN. I didn't even know that was a thing. It was actually pretty good. Yikes! So make sure you follow Bob on Twitter. He is a good follow. And Lorena, uh, you've been having problems too lately with sleeping, right? You wake up uh, typically at what one thirty?
2: I think one thirty. You you texted something the other day or, or messaged us in our group chat about how just another bad sleep, one a.m. And I said that seems to be my witching hour or whatever you want to call it, where I will wake up and inevitably it'll be one one thirty, and it's just close enough to an alarm glowing off that you can't stop thinking about the fact you have to get up, but far enough away that you could easily get another hour or two of sleep. And so I, ah, I don't know what's going on. And on top of that, my dreams, I almost every day roll over and I'll have to say to my husband, did such and such thing happen last night? Or, you know, like, did we eat spaghetti at 10 p.m. or just so random that I, and it's so very real that I don't know if that's stress or if I'm the only one going through it, Greg, or what.
0: No, I think a lot of us are having sleep issues right now and the dreams I'm seeing it on Twitter in my conversations with my friends and family. People are having very vivid dreams right now. So uh, we should probably call on an expert for that McGarry.
1: Yeah, we're going to speak with Diana McMillan from the University of Manitoba coming up at 8.37. She is one of our favorite guests. She has one of the most soothing voices you've ever heard and she is the expert on sleep. And at 6.45 we're going to just have a chat about sleeping. Are, are you having problems sleeping lately? Let us know at 2.04 and if you're having weird dreams let us know that too and we'll have a chat about it at 645. We're trying something new because Greg Mackling, Loren McNabb, Jeff Braun and Kelly Moore are all at home. Jeff Forte, do you have them all? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to find out. Oh, We hear Kelly Moore, Jeff Braun, are you there? I'm here. All right. And Greg and Loren are there. And uh, we worked out some microphone issues. Our wonderful engineers got uh, Greg's mic set up because we were experiencing some delays. And they gave him a different unit. But he tried it out yesterday and it sounded kind of weird. You may have noticed that. But they got it all. I think we got the kinks worked out. So if only we could get to sleep. On time. We mentioned earlier this morning that uh, I woke up today, thought it was Saturday. Greg woke up in a panic at 1 a.m. because he forgot to complete a task, and uh, Loren's just been waking up in general at around one, one thirty in the morning. So let's see how the others are doing. Jeff Braun, why don't we start with you because you have been a creature of sleep routine for years now.
3: Yep, and the routine stands, and so far it seems to be working. I, I haven't really had any problems. I've been less tired than. Normal for reasons I don't fully understand, but it's been pretty smooth on that front. Kelly? Yeah, actually, I've probably been sleeping better uh, the last little while than I normally do. Sunday nights are always. Uh, just a real challenge because I, I find myself waking up on the hour you've just come through the weekend and now you're back into the regular routine but uh and i have to say you know saving the half hour to 35 minutes or whatever it is to drive in today was kind
1: of nice <laughs> all right and now mcnab you also mentioned that you've been having insane dreams lately What what have you been yeah. dealing with
2: and i've actually seen a few people comment on this uh, on uh Twitter with the different dreams they're having. And US Today had an article about how the coronavirus interrupted our lives. Now it's invading our dreams and that people are having really more vivid, sometimes terrifying. Bob Dylan is appearing in some people's dreams, the dinosaurs, you know, like all sorts of crazy things. And for me, it's all stress related, but it is really... Real like one of my recurring ones lately has been that I'm editing something to deadline and I cannot get like I can see the clock taking away and I have to go reshoot an interview and it's for TV and radio and how am I going to get it done and I wake up in a panic and it takes me five minutes to realize that a I don't even work in TV anymore B I never knew how to really edit TV pieces so why that's part (laughs) of my dream I have no idea. But I'll be really, really panicky. And it's it's not just work stress-related dreams. There'll be other things. Like the kids will have done something in my dream or there'll be a mess that occurred. And it's all like these really bright colors. And so I don't know. I'm starting to wonder if like someone's slipping something into my drink before I go to bed at night.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, Mackling, do you still listen to podcasts uh, while you sleep? Yes, typically I do. Although I've switched that now, I've got
0: a satellite radio. And so I've got the app on my phone. And they've got this uh, Netflix um, Netflix channel. And it's all bits and pieces of the stand up comedy pieces that they have on Netflix. And so it just completely distracts me. It's nothing news related whatsoever. And that's what I've been listening to as I go to sleep. And that's what I wake up to is just people having fun and people having laughs. It's called Netflix is a joke radio. And if you have satellite radio, it's channel 93. And it's just three and four minute bits from all these incredible stand up comedians. So that's what's been distracting me. But my dreams have been super vivid lately as well. And the whole idea of getting in touch with people I haven't spoken to in a long time. Like there are these cast of characters from the, my past lives that keep showing up. And I think it's just maybe emblematic or symbolic of, of the fact that we're thinking of people um, that we don't always think of right now. And and so I've been actually getting so, an odd bit of comfort from that. Forte. Oh, sorry, go ahead, McNabb. I was
2: just going to jump in and say that there's some experts, and we're going to talk to one later, that think because we're not talking to as many people and socializing as much, we're creating these great conversations and parties in our dreams. Like I've had friends even having just full on like, oh man, we had the best party last night and they wake up all happy and we might just be making up this world that we can't have right now. And, Jeff.
1: That, and we're going to do that at uh, 8.35 with Diana McMillan from the University of Manitoba. What about you, Fortier? You said that you always have trouble sleeping. You're always tired.
0: Well, yeah, it's uh,
2: for me, especially with daylight savings time, I know I'm the the odd man out here, but uh, I, just, I have such trouble trying to get to sleep when the sun is up, it's just, it's so hard to get to sleep. But when I finally do, I end up waking up like three or four, five times during the night. So you never
1: get that full, solid sleep. What, are you having prostate issues? Are you an old man yeah. or what? Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? You yeah, want what a check? A, what about, no. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, look Ooh. at that singer from Forte. Well done, sir. Uh, Jeff Bravo. Braun, what about your dreams? Do you have weird dreams?
3: Normally, or lately, last few years or whatever, they've been pretty even-keeled, although I had one a couple of months ago before this all started where in the dream, I I just bought a cat, and in the dream, I was also sleeping because that's how lazy I am, but I'm... (laughs) So I'm dreaming I'm in bed, and the cat jumps up on the bed, and the cat starts pawing at uh, the back of my hair, and then I went into that thing where you wake up from the dream, but you... Don't realize you're awake, or you're still dreaming, or you're not quite sure what's in the in between. So I thought that in the real world I was feeling something on my head, and I jumped up and shrieked, and I shrieked. I'd never screamed like that in my life before, and I started. It, it scared me so much. The scream itself scared me so much. I started crying, and I could <laughs> hear my like the neighbor beside me like rustling, like oh, what was that? Like I must have woke them up or something too. But it was it was the weirdest thing that's ever happened
1: to me, but. It was quite the scream. And Kelly, we got 30 seconds. How about you? How have your dreams been of late?
3: Uh, not bad at all, but there have been times where I've had dreams like Lorraine, and it goes back to play-by-play, and I, I'm getting off the bus. I forgot my luggage. I forgot my play-by-play equipment. I get into the booth. I have nothing prepared, and I'm just spewing out gibberish. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that hasn't happened <laughs> for a while yet. So maybe I transmitted it in karma-like fashion to McNabb.
1: A few months back, we had the pleasure of visiting a small business in Winnipeg that helped us and many others outline a roadmap to better health. Now, the owners of that business say they might have to close up shop if the government doesn't loosen the rules for rescue loans. Body Measure has teamed up with dozens of small businesses
0: and formed a coalition called Small Business Owners Manitoba. And they've started an online petition, which has received over 3,000 signatures, Loren.
2: Body Measures co-founders, Melina Elliott and Erica Henderson, join us now. Good morning, guys. Good Good morning. Or gals or ladies, I guess I should be switching to that. But let's start with this petition. It's all good. It's all good. You know, it's such a habit to say that. But Melina, if we can start with you, what are we asking for in this petition? What's the message and what are you trying to get at here?
4: Yeah. So the petition is to look at some relief for rent for small businesses, For the majority of small businesses, one of our biggest expenses is our office space, our lease. And um, we are getting no help with that at all. So if you take our business, for example, we have closed both of our locations as we should. And we are making zero money, but yet we still have these massive expenses coming out every month.
0: So Erica, I know a buddy of mine has a small business in Vernon and he right away went to the Business Development Bank of Canada. They were offering some pretty uh, pretty decent terms for some short-term help and some loans that uh, were at very low interest. Uh, have, you, have you gone down that road at all?
4: Yes, we've tried that, but un- unfortunately we don't qualify. There's certain qualifications, one being that you have to have um, you have to have paid $50,000 in wages to staff in 2019. And because our second location just opened up in November, and um, we hired staff for that location. We haven't hit that mark. Um, and a lot of different places like hairdressers who have contract work and rent out um, chairs in their office or gyms who have contracts, people that do training that don't actually have employees don't meet that mark. So, so many of the people that have signed our petition are, do not qualify for any loan from the government.
1: Melina, what about the CERB? Do you qualify for that?
4: Yes, luckily we do. So that is something I'm actually going to be applying for after we finish this <laughs> today. But it just that just replaces, it doesn't even replace the income that I was, paying myself like my own salary so um, Erica and I were talking that even if we both pooled our money that we got from the CERB and put it towards the business and took no no salary at all for ourselves we still wouldn't be able to meet our um, financial responsibilities every month.
2: And you would still need to get that money sooner rather than later, Erica, we've been hearing from different businesses yeah. that they're, they're, they're pleased, or at least grateful that these programs are being offered. But the money might not start flowing in some cases until late April or May. And so I wonder, Erica, if you've heard yeah. of any businesses that you've teamed up with in this petition that could potentially close permanently, unless a change is made soon.
4: Yes, we have. One business in particular is is talking about um, closing her doors and uh, emptying out her space because her lease happens to be up um, because she doesn't think that she's going to be able to, to keep it going with zero income.
0: So, Erica, what's yeah. the response been from, from, I guess you have two landlords. We've seen Cheesecake Factory say, we're not paying our rent in April and probably the same yeah. in May. You've seen H&M and some of these gigantic retailers who maybe hold more cards than someone like yourself does. How, how accommodating has your landlord been to
1: this point?
4: Our landlord actually has been very, very good and given us a discount. Um, per month, um, but we're still paying the majority of our, of our lease payments. And then of course all the other payments that you have just for equipment rental and all the things that we, they don't go away, we just have to keep paying them. Um, so really all we want is, is the government to allow uh, small businesses like ourselves to get to apply for a loan. And, uh, and help us out that way. But unfortunately, if you don't meet the criteria, if you're not a big enough company at this point, you don't have enough staff, you don't qualify for any of those loans.
1: Melina, has there been any response from the government to your petition or to any of your pleas?
4: Unfortunately, not yet, but we're hoping that the, the more we talk about this, the more we um, get our voices out there. I mean, right now we have a group of over 80 small businesses, local businesses in Manitoba that are with us. And we know that the more we, you know, the more people we bring on, the more we talk about it, the more people are aware. It is a very difficult time right now. And there's so many um, different things and consequences that everybody needs to think about. But small businesses in Canada, you know, make up 1.5 million of the businesses. And how many of those are just hanging by a thread right now?
1: All right. Melina Elliott and Erica Henderson are the co-founders of Body Measure. You can see the petition. We've linked it to our 680 CJOB Instagram story if you want to see it and potentially sign it. Melina and Erica, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate it.
3: Thank, Thank you. you.
1: Once again, Melina and Erica are the co-founders of Body Measure. They mentioned they have two locations. They have one in Winnipeg and another in Newmarket. And you can see our video uh, from when we our visit to Body Measure uh, on our 680 CJOB Instagram. Just scroll down the feed and you will eventually find it. Time now for Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca, a better place for you. And it has been a while since we've been able to hear any live calls like this. Fajardo back to pass. Going long this time down the left side. Intercepted at the 15, to the 20, the 25, to the
3: 30, the 35. Winston Rose, the 40. He's to center field. The rider, 50, the
2: 45, the 40. Rose caught it to Bomber. I make that the rider. The rider. 33-yard line. Ah, that sounds good. And that was, of course, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers highlighting a 62-yard return from Winston Rose last November that eventually led to this call.
5: It's been a long time since I've been able to say this, but the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going to
3: the Great Cup.
2: So the Blue Bombers, of course, we don't need to say this, they went on to win the Grey Cup. And as we look to find ways to maybe pass the time or distract ourselves or simply put a smile on our faces, we know there are actually many people out there, Greg, who've re-watched that game a few times.
0: Oh, multiple times. And that's not all we're watching. Old boxing matches. Jeff Courier was reliving one with us, I think, Monday morning. NASCAR, darts, axe, throwing we will talk about the axe throwing in a minute but I, I understand our next guest put himself through the agony of re-watching the 2001 gray cup just the other day he is the voice of the winnipeg blue bombers bob irving joins us now good morning bob
5: good morning greg and brett and loren how are you guys doing
0: we're hanging in there how are you doing
5: i'm doing fine yeah i did watch the 2001 <laughs> Grey cup game the other day we're all i guess looking for things to do that we maybe uh, wouldn't normally otherwise do because we have so much time on our hands. Uh, And, uh, yeah, that was a painful memory for the Blue Bombers and everybody involved in that game. But, uh, yeah, I've been watching a lot of old stuff on on TV, including boxing matches. Greg, you mentioned boxing. I'm a big boxing fan. And on YouTube, you can call up any fight from the past that you want. And so i watched probably eight or ten. Some of Ali's, Roberta Duran, Sugar Ray Leonard, Donnie LaLon's fight in Las Vegas with Sugar Ray Leonard. So I've been filling my uh been filling my days with stuff like that.
2: Uh Bob, I you mentioned 8 to 10 fights that you've watched. How much time would you normally have spent watching sports, uh, you know, in normal times and versus what you're doing now? Are you just trying to keep up the same level of hours in, in your hunt for things to watch? <laughs>
5: no well i can't keep up the same level of hours it's impossible uh i would normally be watching golf and hockey playoffs and all sorts of things some some nba uh, there's none of that and some of the old stuff i enjoy but a lot of it i You know, I I don't get into. Uh, There's only certain things from the past that I could watch from beginning to end. I did watch. I I turned on TSN the other day to see what they had on, and they did have this axe throwing on in the morning. And it's funny. I watched it for 15 or 20 minutes, and I was quite impressed with the accuracy of these guys throwing the axes. But uh, I'm discovering things uh, that in the past I wouldn't have given a, a minute of my day to. So, Again, like everybody else, you're just uh, trying to get your way through this and, you know, uh, put in your hours in a way where you get at least some pleasure or satisfaction out of what you're seeing, hearing, or reading. The first thing I do every morning when I get up is turn on the start so I know what's going on in the world, and you guys are doing a fabulous job, and so is everybody else, all our show hosts on CJOB. And I know I'm biased in this regard, but I can't say enough about the job we're doing as a radio station. I think it's fantastic.
1: Bob, a lot of people have asked, where can I rewatch this year's Grey Cup? I guess maybe if they yeah. didn't record it. Do you happen to know if uh, there is somewhere that people can get their hands on it, or do you just have to have recorded it like I'm guessing you did?
5: Yeah, I recorded it, uh, Brad. I don't know if it's available on YouTube, but as I say, just about everything in the world seems to be available on YouTube, but I haven't tried that avenue. Uh, I don't know what to say to that. I know they replayed it on TV here the other day, and I watched it. I watched uh, my tape version of it one other time. I watched the West Final, semi semifinal, rather, in Calgary uh, a couple of days ago, though, with the Bombers won, of course, on their route to winning the Grey Cup. But no, I, I don't know where you'd get it if you haven't recorded it, Brett.
0: Bob, you tweeted out yesterday. We might have been watching this at almost the exact same time. I think Milt Stiegel or somebody tweeted this out. And I'm just going to read back your fine craftsmanship from Twitter here. Just watched a replay of Milt Stiegel's record-breaking 138 TD in 2007. It was a reminder that never all caps have I heard a stadium get as loud for as long as it did that night the press box was actually shaking at Canadian in stadium among my favorite blue bomber memories take us down that memory lane
5: yeah I can still remember the press box at old Canadian stadium kind of <laughs> shaking I think for a split second I was almost afraid that the stadium might collapse that's how loud it got and the people were all on their feet when milt scored that touchdown of course there was great anticipation going into the game because everybody knew he was on the verge of breaking the record and we're hoping he would do it in that game which he did but when he scored that touchdown the place he erupted and the noise continued greg for gosh i don't know three four or five minutes and then they stopped the game and made a presentation and the cheering just never stopped Uh, And the stadium was rocking. And it's been rocking many times over the years. As you guys know, I've been doing this a long time. But that night in particular in 2007, uh, there's nothing quite like that that I can recall. And even watching it the other day and thinking about it now, it kind of gives me chills because that was a special night at Canadian Stadium
2: kind of the point I think of all this. We talk a lot about the real heroes the Bombers put out that campaign last week asking people to name real heroes frontline heroes and f- f- pushing aside the fact that many people look at sports um and their players as heroes but at the end of the day when you talk about that joy you even felt last night Bob that's what we're all looking for once in a while even if it's the agony of defeat or the joy of a victory it does put that smile on your face.
5: Well, sports is one of the great diversions in our life. I've always looked at it that way and if you're a sports fan Uh, there's nothing quite like the excitement you feel uh, watching your team or a particular event that you like, whether it's the Masters Golf Tournament, I don't know what it, you know, you can name a million different things. They just give you pleasure. uh, Enhance your quality of life is the way I look at it. And those of us who get our quality of life enhanced by those things now uh, are are feeling a little bit lost. But uh, hey, We all understand what's the most important thing going on in the world right now. And I'm actually coping better than I thought I might without my fix of uh, sports on TV. Uh, Maybe that's not such a good thing. I I can live without it. I didn't think I could, but maybe I can. (laughs) Uh, And let's let's hope someday in the not-too-distant future it's back. But I tell you what, I don't hold out hope we're going to have sports, live sports, for a long time. I heard Kelly talking about baseball talking about playing at stadiums in Arizona. I know the CFL is uh, looking at any number of options, uh, including a start as late as September, if they get a season in at all. Imagine that, that there might not even be a Canadian Football League season. Uh, they're talking in hockey about playing in empty arenas. That's unimaginable to me. Uh, this, You know, what we're going through now is so unprecedented the waters are so uncharted and none of us know how it's ever going to turn out when this is going to return to normalcy if it ever is it's just uh it really is day to day isn't it
1: well bob uh we appreciate you taking a few minutes to chat with us this morning it's always a, a great experience speaking to the one and only bob irving so thank you sir and have a good day and uh next time you'll have to tell us what movies you've been watching because you're an honorary couch potato you watch a lot of movies
5: Oh yeah, well, you guys got me onto Ozark. I heard you talking about it last week. I think it was, and I, I'm watching it now, and I'm hooked on it. I will say this: it's not for the faint of heart.
1: No, <laughs> it is not. How far right. in are you?
5: Well, I'm in, at, almost at the end of season two, uh, and, and I tell you, when I watch it, I'm I, it's it is gripping. Let me put it that way.
1: Well, business <laughs> is about to pick up in season three, Bob. So enjoy that. Oh, Boy, and thanks okay. for joining us, man. Anytime. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you so much for joining us. Got to add another M to the mix. Masks, there has been plenty of discussion about masks surrounding COVID-19 over the past several days.
2: And the shortages of personal protective equipment as a whole has really been, again, a gigantic part of the battle against the coronavirus really all over the world. We've been talking ICU beds, ventilators, and all the PPE that doctors and nurses depend on being used at an unprecedented rate. And on top of the list are N95 masks. They become a source of friction between the U.S. and Canada, and they are really, Greg, critical in order to keep medical workers safe.
0: Yeah, so we want to know what is the difference between an N95 mask and a surgical mask? What about the homemade masks we are starting to see online and on the faces of Manitobans in public? These questions are important with new advice on wearing face masks in public. Canada's Chief Public Health Officer is Theresa Tam.
5: Wearing a non-medical mask is an additional
0: measure that we are considering to protect others around you. To help us understand what the different types of masks and their ability to protect you and I are, we are joined by Dr. Marsha Anderson, Medical Officer of Health for the WRHA. Good morning, Dr. Anderson. Good morning. Thanks for having me on this morning. We appreciate your time. Let's start with those homemade masks. What can mm-hmm. they do? And maybe more importantly, what can't they do? Sure, that's
6: a great question. So those homemade cloth masks, uh can be worn if people are going out for essential services in addition to the evidence-based strong recommendations that are already in place around physical distancing, frequent hand washing and frequent disinfecting of commonly touched surfaces. If you wear a cloth mask, it does not protect you from getting the virus, but it might protect others from you spreading the virus to them. It's basically another way of co- of covering a cough or a sneeze, so that if you are out, you don't have symptoms, so you don't know you're carrying the virus. Um, that cloth mask can stop you from spreading the virus to others.
2: So then, is it the opposite for the N95 mask? Is it offer more of that protection? Why is it so coveted, Dr. Anderson?
6: So the uh, N95 masks are used in a very specific set of circumstances within healthcare or hospital settings. Um, to protect healthcare workers from people who do have the virus or are strongly, uh, strongly suspected to have the virus during the kind of procedures where more of that virus might go up into the air. So they're very specifically and only needed in a healthcare setting.
1: What about face shields? Who's using those?
6: The face shields are now part of the personal protective equipment or PPE that healthcare workers are wearing in a healthcare setting uh, because the virus can actually enter through the eyes as well. So it is another uh, layer of protection for our healthcare workers. And I would just add, it's not just the doctors and nurses, it's also the, the cleaning staff and everyone who's part of the essential healthcare team right now.
0: Yeah, and that's a long list of uh, people, Mm -hmm. isn't it, Dr. Anderson? uh, People who are so critical to this effort to keep us healthy, to keep us safe. Now, I made the mistake of conflating surgical masks with N95. Really are Mm -hmm. respirators to a certain extent, are they not, Dr. Anderson? Where does the surgical mask fit into the equation?
6: Sure. So people are sometimes talking about surgical masks, or they might use the term procedure mask or medical mask. Uh, that is part of the PPE again that uh, the healthcare team is working that is wearing now in all healthcare settings. So it's the uh, simple face mask uh, in addition to the face shield that people are wearing. They are worn in every healthcare encounter with uh, patients or, or clients or residents of long-term care. Um, unlike the N95, which is just for those specific higher-risk procedure-type settings.
2: At the end of the day, for people listening, and we know there has been some, I think, public confusion potentially around the mask just because Mm -hmm. of the changing situation and what we've been learning day by day. Mm -hmm. Dr. Anderson, I thought Dr. Rusin for the public health office said it well yesterday with the idea that don't be putting on a mask as a general member of the public and assuming that is protecting you. At the end of the day, the best measure Mm -hmm. is to stay home if you're not on the front lines.
6: Absolutely. The the best advice and the strongest recommend, recommendations are if you're not an essential service provider, stay home as much as possible. If you do have to go out, the most important things are still the physical distancing, the hand washing and the disinfecting of commonly touched surfaces.
1: But should we be wearing a uh, mask as well if we have to go out?
6: I wouldn't say should I would say people can wear them if they have access to them um, and they can wear them safely which means you're not touching your face more when you have it on and you can wash it uh, in a regular washing machine and dryer cycle after each wearing it might help um, protect others from you spreading the virus um, but there is not a strong recommendation that people should do it yet but if you have one you can.
1: Dr. Marsha Anderson, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate the time on this important matter, okay?
6: Thank you for having me.
1: Right now, Loren, we want to talk about women's shelters.
2: Yeah, and at first the email we got this morning from the Manitoba Association of Women's Shelters might read like good news with the group helping women and families escape des- domestic violence saying many shelters across this province are actually seeing fewer calls. They have fewer families in those shelters. But that doesn't mean there are fewer people needing help. Dina Brock is the Provincial Coordinator for the Manitoba Association of Women's Shelters and joins us now. Good morning, Dina. Good morning. What are you reading into these fewer calls and fewer people? Is there a concern that women might be choosing not to, to stay in a potentially violent situation as they weigh that versus going to a shelter amidst COVID-19 fears?
7: Exactly. That That is exactly what we were thinking about. The message to stay home is is valid and, and obviously should be listened to. But in the situation of a person who is experiencing, experiencing domestic abuse at home, um, they may be in a better position to actually call the shelter and get some help. Um, you know, the crisis helpline available 24-7. They don't necessarily have to go to a shelter, but the information that could help them stay safe, they can acquire that by calling that number.
0: Dina, in usual times economically and of course uh, uh, non-pandemic times and these unusual measures that we're, we're taking to stay well and stay safe, uh, there are numerous obstacles for individuals to, to get out of a relationship that is abusive and to remove yourself and or your children from those relationships. What are those barriers in usual times?
7: Um. It- well, to be honest, the same barriers that are existing right now for most um, uh, people who are experiencing abu- abuse, they need to make sure they put into place a safety plan so they know what to do and, and how to get out of a nasty situation. Um, being Having things like your uh, ID, uh, some spare money or credit cards set aside, um, you know, that kind of personal information is, is, extremely valuable to keep with you, um, attached to you if possible, because if you have to make a run for it, you may not be able to stop and pick up a bag. Um, alternatively, we we encourage people to take stuff and leave it with their neighbours or a family member or a friend.
1: It's a high-stress situation right now. There's a lot of financial strain in homes. Are you worried that uh, we'll see a rise in domestic violence?
7: I'm very worried. This, this type of situation is exactly what happens and we've seen it many times over the years that you know when you're putting people are stressed to begin with and you're putting them in close quarters and telling them to stay in a closed house usually um we we do expect that there could be some situations happening absolutely
2: so for those who are in need right now dina what do you want to say to them shelters are open how are you working to keep that social distance in those shelters and keep them clean and sanitized? What would you like women or families in need to hear right now?
7: I think everyone needs to know that the shelters are open, yes. There is a 24-hour crisis support line that they can call. Um, we would appreciate it if they would use that line, um, even if they're not sure. Just call the line at There for support. The shelters are following all the safety protocols. We've been in communication with the government and made sure that um, steps are in place to ensure the safety and health of the staff and the clients um, or residents at the shelters. So we're, you know, social distancing is happening as much as possible because we are talking about a, a family type setting. In most situations, the shelters can be very small. Um, but there is a, the ability to isolate if it's if needed. So we don't want people to feel that they have to be, or that they're putting their health at safety if they go to a shelter.
0: Dina, here's a question uh, that bounces around in my head, and I think people struggle with it. In, in the aftermath of finding out someone they love has been in a situation like this, what can we do from the outside? What signs should we be looking for? Could we be looking for if we have concerns what would validate those concerns in terms of, of maybe encouraging our friend or loved one to, to consider a, a move like calling your organization or, or maybe getting out of getting out of their home altogether?
7: Uh, one of the, the obvious signs is isolation. Um, quite often, an abuser will attempt to keep that person away from their family, their friends. Um, even to the extent of, of isolating the kids in and, and that type of situation, you know, listening to your your family member or your friend, calling them as much as you can, remembering that if you're talking to them over the phone, you can't, you may not want to say, are you in danger? Are you okay? Um, you need to give them the question that they can answer yes or no, because chances are their call is being monitored by the abuser. They're, you know, it's that Type of restrictions that are in place by or put into place on these women. Um, So, keeping in mind to constantly contact them, um, talk to them, ask them questions that they can respond to with yes or no. Um, You know, maybe come up with some plans for them, but again, doing it in such a way that um, you're not putting them on the spot where they have to give you a description. Um, Just because they can be monitored, Um, you know, reaching out through social media emails as well is another way. I I just think it's important to keep your eyes open, uh, especially for your neighbors, you know, and friends and family.
2: Important to point out here too, Dina, that on your website, which is maws.mb.ca, if people are looking for help, you have a huge button they can click that says hide site so that if that abuser walks into that room, that partner, it quickly switches to a whole other site and they can at least hope to not have the fear of even being caught looking for the information, which is a part of the problem for women and their children trying to get help.
7: Absolutely, yeah. And
2: all the websites, like the
7: shelter websites, they do have that as well on them. And some of the shelters can communicate via text even. So it's just, I know it can be difficult to make that initial call if you are being monitored. But, um, you know, sometimes you can get away to the basement or something like that or the backyard. So we encourage women, if, if you feel unsafe at all, call the domestic violence crisis number and get
1: help. Dina Brock is the Provincial Coordinator for the Manitoba Association of Women's Shelters and has joined us live on 680 CJOB. Dina, thank you for this.
7: Oh, thank you very much.
1: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Question of the day at CJOB.com. Brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. Has your sleep pattern changed during self-isolation and the stressful economic times? At CJOB.com, the results so far have 44% who say, no, I never sleep well. 33% say, no, I always sleep well, while 11% for yes, less sleep, and 11% for yes, more vivid dreams. Interesting how the results vary if you look at the results on Twitter, where 33% say yes, less sleep, 26% say yes, more vivid dreams, 17% say no, I always sleep well, and no, I never sleep well. That gets 24% of the vote. This is the question of the day today because all three of us uh, well, I realized today that I woke up and thought it was Saturday, so uh, you can imagine my dismay when I finally came to. Greg woke up in a panic at 1 a.m. because he realized he forgot something, and Loren has just been waking up at around what time lately, Loren?
2: It's like a 1, one thirty witching hour, which is driving me insane, and that has happened in the past, you know, because when you work, shift, work you're going to maybe struggle to sleep or getting up in the middle of the night can also be a struggle. So napping or sleeping during the day is hard, but I brought this up with you guys. We all agree. We were having different sleep patterns and many of our listeners, families and friends have been telling us, Greg, that they're having trouble too, along with some pretty incredible vivid dreams from some
0: folks. No question about it. So we want to know, is it stress? Is it anxiety, boredom, all of the above? Dr. Diana McMillan is a sleep consultant. She's also an associate professor at the University of Manitoba's Rady Faculty of Health, uh, Sciences College of Nursing. It's such a long title here, Diana. Thank you for this, as always. And let's just get right down to it. What's keeping us up?
8: well um great to great to hear everybody and uh, a shout out to all my colleagues on the front lines and helping out in in all spheres of uh, of this pandemic um, you know it's a really unusual situation that we're in, and it's really highly stress provoking so it's actually normal that we would have some reactions to this in fact, actually, if we weren't anxious and having some uh, possible sleep difficulties, um, that, would, that would really be a bit unusual. So if you are having some sleep problems, um, there are some strategies I can uh, sort of outline that might help a little bit. But first of all, don't be too hard on yourself. I mean, this is a really highly stressful situation and uh, you, your whole routine is, is probably quite disruptive.
1: Now, I was mentioning earlier that I can't really remember my dreams of late. I know that it's, it's not unusual to forget your dreams, but I have no recollection of any dreams, and I'm just wondering if I'm simply not getting to that point in my sleep where I have the dreams because I've remarked that over the last, I think, two weeks, I haven't had a full night's sleep. I, I just feel like it's a series of naps. You know, I'll sleep for an hour or two during the day, three hours at night. Uh, so is there a connection between lack of sleep and dreams?
8: Um well to a, to a certain degree yes so for example um, if you are um, if you drink actually a lot of alcohol, you you uh, suppress your uh, REM sleep and if you stop drinking alcohol you can have what we call a REM rebound or a, you can have very, very vivid dreams which is, is quite uncomfortable and other things besides alcohol can suppress REM as well. Um, we tend to prioritize um, uh, sort of a, what we call the non-REM stage of sleep uh, initially. Uh, but um, we probably are, are all having some um, REM and non-REM sleep, but you don't remember that you're dreaming. So um, most of the time, we, you know, I would, if I had you all hooked up to a polysomnogram, I would say, yes, you're in REM. Probably you're in, you're dreaming. If I woke you up at that sta- sleep stage, you'd say, oh gosh, you know, I just see some huge parrots or uh, I, you know, dreamt I was walking my dog or something. But, you know, you sound asleep and you don't wake up in that stage. So um, the fact that we're more restless... Uh, and probably more anxious um, and maybe are having lighter sleep or uh, poorer sleep, more disturbed sleep is contributing to it. But the probably the biggest thing is that we are anxious as we're falling to sleep. And we tend to carry over the worries and stresses of our day into our nighttime sleep. And that's probably the largest factor for, for why people are having some, um, you know, vivid dreams.
2: It's a catch-22, Diana, because I think also you mentioned alcohol there and you we've heard from lots of listeners about consumption potentially being up. We know in BC sales of liquor, are I, I, I think it was 70%. It was a huge jump in liquor sales over the last little while. And so it you have that thing where you can't fall asleep. You have that anxiety. So someone might take that glass of wine or other in thinking it's going to help them get to where they want to go in their sleep pattern at night. And then the opposite is happening. So is there a time frame I need to give myself a, if I'm going to say have that glass and then is there a sweet spot for your REM sleep? Does it come within the first few hours or do I need to be patient and and make sure I'm giving myself enough time to have that good sleep?
8: Well, there, it actually starts at the very beginning of your day. So if you are able to have, uh, and keep to a routine, and I know this is sort of a very strange time. So our routines are, are typically a bit off, but getting up, um, Uh, If you're if you have a daytime schedule or, you know, getting up, getting um, some exposure to sunlight helps Uh, having breakfast, getting a bit of exercise, even if it's just, uh, you know, sitting out on your balcony or sweeping off your front steps or something, getting dressed, um, trying to set a small goal so that you have a little bit of normalcy or normal routine in your day Um, and limiting the caffeine. You know, we have a, most of us are working from home. So we've got a, maybe a full pot of coffee. Well, Try not to have too much uh, coffee um, because that can exacerbate uh, that insomnia. And then in terms of alcohol, um, while we know that it makes us more tired, what it does is it disturbs our sleep, including suppressing that REM. So, you know, it's one thing to have a glass of wine maybe at dinner, but um, really having uh, anything um, in larger quantities in the evening, you're going to go to sleep with uh, a fair amount of uh, alcohol still in your bloodstream, and you're going to have to get up to go to the bathroom probably, which is sleep disturbing, but it's also going to really uh, disturb your sleep. So that is something to really think about. And uh, the other thing to do is to try very hard um, to gear down so that you're not watching, you know, the 11 o'clock news and then immediately going to bed because that probably is going to be fairly anxiety provoking so try to have about 45 minutes to an hour before your bedtime where you're doing something that is enjoyable relaxing and calming and and it's not Um, you know, going to add to those uh, feelings of anxiety, it would be really helpful to sort of transition to bed uh, so that you don't have those worrisome thoughts on your mind. And be kind to yourself.
1: We're talking sleep with Dr. Diana McMillan, a sleep consultant who is also an associate professor at the University of Manitoba's Rady Faculty of Health Sciences College of Nursing. And Dr. McMillan, I was mentioning that I'm doing less and yet I'm more tired. Like I used to go to the gym somewhat regularly, two, three, sometimes four times a week. I would try to be keep active during the day and I would rarely nap. But now there's no gym. I still go for walks, but I find I'm I'm taking daily naps, and I'm just always tired. So, how does that make sense? Where I'm doing less, but I'm more tired.
8: Well, um, part of it is that we're on alert. Um, you know, we're highly vigilant. Uh, we're sort of anxious most of most of our day. I mean, this is this is a really Uh, strange stressful time and um, although uh, that's sort of a a low underlying stress, it, it is tiresome and the fact that we aren't getting our regular exercise um, we know that exercise is actually energizing, and it can help us have a better sleep. So, if we can um, try to, you know, even do some exercise in your in your backyard or in your home, um, can actually help support that uh, maintained uh, physical fitness and support um, a healthier uh, sleep as well. So, it's much harder, and we recognize that, but it but it is. Um, also helping us to sleep better when we're getting a bit more exercise. So good that you're at least going for a walk. That's a, that's a great start. Uh, keep that up. And the light exposure will also help to keep that um, sleep-wake rhythm. So that, that is a helpful thing as well.
0: Diana, does fresh air play into that at all? Because I've always had my best sleep at at my friend's cottage or in my camper when I can open everything up. And there's something about sleeping, quote-unquote, outside. And, of course, our windows have been locked tight for months now. Does fresh air help in any way in terms of uh, the sleep cycle, if I can get it into the room where I'm sleeping?
8: Um, well, uh, you want to have a room that it, for sleeping that is dark, um, a little on the cool side. Um, fresh air can can be a good thing, uh, and uh, you want to have it um, so that you're feeling. Um, comfortable that there aren't uh, lots of um, technology you don't want to have your TV and your tel- uh, cell phones going off and and buzzing through the night so that you you want to have those uh, out of the room if possible um, and so you basically you want to have a bedroom that is like a little oasis so um, that uh, you, it sort of promotes and supports you to have the best sleep and certainly fresh air seems to help I mean there's a there's a good research study there um, but it also is because it's a little cooler uh, that that helps as well Um, because we know that if the room is too hot um, or stuffy um, then then that's a that's harder to sleep
2: we talked a little earlier, Diana, about the connection between sleep or lack of sleep and dreams, and I just wanted to share you with you a listener text. I'm not going to ask you to analyze her dream because I know that's <laughs> not what we're here for, but it's an example, I think, of what's going on in some people's sleep patterns right now. And she writes that, I dreamt I was driving my bike down the sidewalk and almost hit a huge snake or python. It caused me to fall off the bike and I was paralyzed and couldn't move. I heard the giant snake coming closer. I keep struggling to move and couldn't. And finally, I made a Herculean effort, flung myself forward, just then... I awoke and nearly flung myself off the bed. They write, it was so intense, it took them a while to calm down. And I'm hearing similar stories from people. And it might just be in times of stress that we have those things where you feel like you can't escape. But there's something about the clarity to dreams. Is there a connection between how vivid it might be and what's going on right now in terms of the stress in the world?
8: Well, certainly, I think the the more stressful we, um, you know, our lives are, uh, the more we're sort of ruminating or thinking about those stresses. As we are falling asleep, right, and that's why I really strongly encourage folks to not only you know get a bit of exercise that'll make you pleasantly sleepy, but also to um, try to find something that is going to distract you from the the really sort of heavy stressors of the day. Right before um, you're going to bed, so for the forty five minutes you know read a book that you 're enjoying not a Stephen, you know maybe not a Stephen King thriller or something, but um, you know do something that is relaxing a uh, a crossword puzzle read a read a magazine or um, do do something that is relaxing that helps to take your mind off of this current Um, situation. The other thing to do, and this is really playing into um, our mental health for many, many individuals, is that they're feeling isolated. And so connecting with family and friends um, and your elderly neighbors if they can't get out uh, on a daily basis is really important. Because if we're sharing our Sort of anxieties we we uh, divide them we, we we lessen them, and that will help us to feel more connected and more um, more calm as we're heading towards bed and in turn that uh, feeling of uh, quiet and peace of mind and peace of body will support, um, you know, much um, more relaxing dreams instead of those very uh, frightening ones that, you know, are causing people to wake up with, um, you know, basically panic attacks or uh, heart palpitations.
1: How does diet factor into this? Because I know many of us are either snacking more out of boredom or we're making maybe unhealthier choices when it comes to our primary meal. Uh, Can that affect your sleep in a negative way?
8: Uh, It can. Um, So, I mean, first of all, we don't, you know, we don't want to, uh, gain uh, a lot of weight in, during this time so you know it's it's sometimes easy to open the fridge out of boredom as uh, as opposed to actually being hungry but one of the things that we found um, in the sleep research is supporting is that if we are eating later in the day we're actually um, retaining we're not we're not digesting those uh, calories the same way and they are um, Increasing our weight. And so, you know, it's better to get up and have a breakfast and a lunch and a lighter dinner and really not have a very heavy meal late. Um, or a late evening meal, um, because that food is can sit, you know, sort of on the, the stomach. You can actually have um, sort of a, a gastric reflux, which gives you heartburn um, and is not helpful for your sleep either. Uh, but we also know that it will increase our likelihood if we eat late um, or if we're. Um, f- now we also tend to eat sort of comfort foods, those high sugar, high fat foods, which are not really good for us either, and they make us feel even more tired, right? So if we um, have a lot of sugars in our diet, we actually feel more tired. We, we sort of initially have, feel a sugar high, and then we come crashing down.
1: Dr. Diana McMillan is a sleep consultant and associate professor at the University of Manitoba, joining us live on CJOB. Diana, thank you for this. As always, we love talking to you.
8: You're very welcome. And uh, I hope everyone has a much better sleep in the days to come. This too shall pass.